Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. The U.S. primary care industry is in a period of rapid disruption, as dozens of new players have raised $16 billion in capital in 2021, marking an astronomical increase from the $15 million that was raised just a decade ago. While the operating methods of these new companies may vary, the mission is the same. Utilize primary care to provide high-quality, convenient care at a lower cost. I'm here with Dynamics' Ryan Hummel, Mindy McGrath, and special guest Jed Barnes, to discuss what these changes mean for the future of primary care and the healthcare industry at large. Welcome back, Mindy and Ryan and Jed. Welcome to the podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. We're here to talk about convergence in the primary care industry. But Mindy, I'm hoping you could take us back just a little bit and explain what convergence is in the context of the healthcare industry and why we're seeing it so much in the primary care space. Jen, I think historically, when we think about the U.S. healthcare system, we would say there are distinct sectors. Today, and over the course of the last five to seven years, what's really been highlighted in the U.S. health system is that there are just some long-standing structural inefficiencies. When you couple that with things like growing consumer expectations, increasing financial pressures, and then this rapid, almost explosive growth of technology. I think of those drivers of change in the U.S. healthcare system as really starting to cause this shift that we are beginning to see, where these sectors that I mentioned used to be really standalone and distinct are now really substantially overlapping, and in some cases, even merging. When I think about this in the context of convergence, right, this movement that we're seeing really is done in an effort for the healthcare organizations to expand their capabilities through things like integrations, where they can advance their efforts in value-based care, design better patient and consumer experiences, unleash data that helps to address quality and cost concerns. So I think this acceleration and this increasing degree of overlap is what we are calling convergence. And these growing partnerships point to the shared desire within the healthcare system to respond to some of the things that I've just talked about. And I would point to some of the more recent partnerships that we've seen emerge that are really focused on the primary care space an area where there just seems to be a huge appetite that exists to converge on that space. Convergence is definitely one of the leading trends in healthcare right now. We see these traditional, what we would call sectors, kind of venturing outside of their historic sandboxes and into each other's where they're creating new partnerships, where they're working together, as well as competing with each other while everyone's looking to increase their own market share and create value, as well as respond to these drivers of change that you mentioned. Primary care is definitely leading that charge in many ways. Really up until about 10 years ago, historically, especially from a fee-for-service perspective, primary care was in a pretty steep decline within U.S. healthcare. There was a lot of reimbursement pressure and other factors contributing to this, which incentivized primary care physicians to focus on a volume-based model 
which may have let them see more patients and be more productivity from a traditional RVU perspective, but not necessarily actually create value into the system and keep their patients healthier. And I think that when you talk to all doctors, especially primary care physicians, that's really why they went to med school in the first place is, is to make people healthy and create value for their patients. About 10 years ago, we start to see a shift in that trend. And the reason for that is we see a few key ingredients start to come together. One, we recognize that primary care physicians in the United States really were an underinvested entity, especially when you look at them in comparison to other developed countries. Another one being they really more than and differently than any other medical specialty have demonstrated their ability to drive value by keeping people healthy, keeping people out of the hospital and reducing the total cost of care. Simultaneously to both of those, we see an influx of cash into the marketplace. One of the byproducts of that has been a supercharging of population health technologies, which allows for data interoperability and greater connectiveness between providers and their patients. And lastly, and, and perhaps most importantly, the PCP market as a whole has been experiencing a maturation of financial models which really reward organizations that reduce the overall cost of care. And many of those financial models have been introduced into the market from public entities, from CMS and, and the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. These include ways in which provider groups or convener groups are being reimbursed and reimbursed at higher than historic volumes, but not because they're seeing and doing more, but it's because they're keeping patients healthier. When you take this all together, it makes a lot of sense why the primary care market has experienced a tremendous amount of disruption over the past 10 years. And while we're seeing a massive influx of cash, both from Wall Street and private equity firms. Jen, I can totally see your point about the primary care market really being an attractive investment opportunity for the industry and all of this movement towards convergence, right, Mindy? as different players are looking to expand their capabilities, play in different areas that they were before, really turning up the heat on what was already an attractive area. Hummel, from your position as head of provider sector, when we're talking about this, this explosion, this primary care investment coming to a full boil, what does that really look like in the space? There's definitely been an explosion. And before I get into what that really looks like or some practical applications we're seeing in the marketplace. We should probably take a step back and talk about how primary care has redefined itself over the last decade or so. If you think about the core of what primary care is or, or what the intention is, it's really to create well-being for the whole of society. And for many years, that was more aspirational than realistic because primary care physicians were overworked, underpaid, and we've seen this shift, the fortitude and the ways of working have really evolved where there are other complementary clinical groups, medical assistants, nurses that are feeling more empowered to operate at the top of their license. And this has also enabled many PCPs to take a more strategic look at the way that they're managing the population in the community. And another reason why I think this explosion has happened or taking a step back and foundationalizing it is the fact that we're seeing primary care physicians in leadership positions, which enable them to make really smart decisions and drive the change themselves. You couple that with this humongous historic investment in the space, 
And some studies show that it's more investment in primary care than even in acute care hospitals for the first time ever. And you just realize how ripe for disruption primary care has been because of this aspiration and taste for value-based care and understanding how important it could be to change outcomes and lower costs. And on top of that, one more thing, regulatory and reimbursement changes have really paved the way for new thinking around this. So that is some foundational pieces before we get into this new idea where real practical things we're seeing. Operating models are utilizing new capital and it varies. It all depends on the financial structure, the business segmentation, and the perceived impact on the marketplace. But I think one of the largest headlines we've seen that really indicates this ultimate change into the prioritization of primary care is CVS's huge acquisition of Oak Street Health in the past year. If you think about it, Oak Street Health's platform matching and marrying up with CVS Health's kind of reach in the marketplace could create this incredible value-based care network. And I think that's what CVS Health and their shareholders are betting on and kind of enhances this idea of primary care and value-based care all at once by combining this incredible network of facilities with an engine that primary care and value-based care has always needed to succeed. So I, I think they're betting on the fact that you can combine these big, powerful entities and create real healthcare outcomes in the community. So there are many reasons why, as Jed mentions, this marketplace is exploding. Those are just a few off the top of my head. Yeah, Ryan, when you were talking through CVS, I mean, obviously we have CVS, we have Amazon who acquired one medical earlier this year. And I think about what their big bet is, and it's that primary care is going to lead the way for them in terms of better controlling the patient journey, improving access, betting on convenience, and that that is really a consumer preference. The building blocks that these organizations have kind of put together to think about how you create a more seamless journey for the patient is really, really interesting, especially when you think about Amazon, right? And how they have this ability to really blend primary care into existing capabilities that they have around prescription delivery with pill pack, healthy food through Whole Foods and Amazon Fresh. And this connection of all of this being driven right through a patient's primary care physician. So I think they're looking at primary care perhaps in even a more different way than CVS is. I think one of the questions that I have around these large acquisitions of primary care entities is, have we started to see the outcomes yet as a result of some of this activity? There's been a lot of investment made by pretty large organizations putting big bets on primary care Have they been able to stitch together this journey that they're looking to create to actually deliver on better outcomes, better access, and just overall a better or more engaged patient? I'm curious, Jed, what your thoughts are about that. I think it's a great question. The answer would depend on which type of approach these new primary care disruptors are taking towards the market. For example, We were just talking about Amazon and their acquisition of One Medical. And I think that's really a consumer play, right? They're looking to bring primary care and make it as efficient as possible and enable people to increase access and enable people to have a frictionless experience in interacting with their provider. That's one of the things where in terms of outcomes, are people experiencing that benefit or maybe a little bit too early to measure effectively? 
the interesting thing about that one also is that it's not in terms of economics and payment mechanisms. It relies more on the historic fee-for-service chassis as opposed to some of the other primary care disruptors we're seeing in the marketplace. We mentioned earlier Oak Street, and they're operating more in a risk-based model where they're taking 85% of their health plan partners' MLR, and they're betting on their own population health capabilities. And if they do a good job of deploying a really preventative model of care that keeps people out of the hospital and addresses their medical issues in the lowest cost setting, they're going to benefit and their patients are going to benefit as well. And then I think the, the third example that we haven't hit on yet, but that I'd like to call out is we have a group of participants in the primary care market that are commonly called conveners, and they're really more facilitators. And the difference between this group of conveners in comparison to an Oak Street or an Amazon is they don't seek to go out and purchase medical groups and pull them into their umbrella and try to create economies of scale by aggregating all of their different uh, participants together. They go out and they build a network that kind of interconnects groups of individually and independently owned medical clinics. Examples of these that we're seeing have a tremendous amount of success in the market include Agilent, who is publicly traded and valued at almost $10 billion. Allidade is another example. And we have one right in uh, Dynamics Own Backyard in Philadelphia in Tandine. And what they're doing, which is a little bit different, is they are, they're more of a web-based model that says, hey, we're going to partner with these primary care clinics and provide them with back office support and population health strategies, but enable them to continue to operate and own their own business. The key to this, I think, Jed, right, how much reliance there obviously is in primary care I mean, keeping those physicians happy and motivated and engaged, because that's a lot of change to undergo when you think about the investments that CVS and Amazon have made, but even the introduction of some of these care conveners, right? The, the critical success factor in all of this is how do you keep your physicians engaged? One of the biggest driving factors of physician engagement is, well, well two things. One, the education right? So if a physician is operating under a new economic model, which encourages them to view patients less from a volume perspective and more from a value perspective, there is a learning curve associated with that. And I think the other thing that keeps physicians engaged is minimizing to the maximum you can their bureaucratic tasks. We do a lot of work here at Dynamic with different provider groups from the hospital level all the way down to your onesie, twosie, mom and pop primary care clinics. And one of the most common things I hear from physicians is they count their day in clicks. They say, it takes me 37 clicks to do an encounter under the traditional fee-for-service model. So I think the more that you reduce and minimize bureaucratic tasks, and to Ryan's point earlier, enable them to have a more elevated strategic assessment of the patient, that in terms of physician engagement and reducing burnout are two of the most important things you can do. Jed, I think you raise a really good point that we can talk theory and what the marketplace says, but there are really a lot of massive differences in the way to roll this out and to way to evolve primary care. And without physician engagement and without getting their input as micro as making their daily life easier, we're not going to see the change materialize as quickly as we'd like it to. And we all know change is very difficult. And I don't think most physicians 
understand what they're signing up for when they become providers and practitioners, when they see all of the bureaucratic and administrative minutia that they have to address on a daily basis. And it's really going to be hard at a higher level for large healthcare systems that are mired, especially in this Northeast part of the country that we're in, to let go of this conventional fee-for-service model and do a switchover. Without enormous change with the payers and reimbursement groups, it's going to be really difficult for that switch to happen. And this is reductive the way I'm going to say this, but I think fee-for-service many times from a perception perspective rewards overutilization and value-based care many times theoretically rewards underutilization. And if you just reduce it to those two things, it's really hard to make those changes. So we have to be really clear about the value of value-based care and what it means to be preventative versus treating something after it's already happened. Although 81% of healthcare executives continue to say population health is very important, we have to take a really complex issue and start to break it down into its own parts and simplify it for everyone involved and all the stakeholders. Because population health is meant to identify these structural inequities that occur in the healthcare community and fix them communities at a time. And when you segment population or segment communities, population health can really work, but it's not easy. And you need to make sure that you strip away some of the stuff that Jed had said that physicians are dealing with on a daily basis. And then you become a little bit more apt to focus on wellness instead of sick care, which is at the basis of value-based care. I think one point, Ryan, beyond this just being a huge change culturally, operationally for how these institutions are operating is the threat of financial loss, whether real or perceived as they move from the standard way of doing things, the old guard to the new guard, this new delivery model. I think that financial barrier, that financial fear can be a big barrier to loss in terms of pursuing population health and pursuing some of those value-based care approaches that are really anchored to success in the primary care market. In some ways, it's a zero-sum game. If one component of the healthcare ecosystem is increasing in the value it's creating, that's coming out of somewhere else. And thinking about primary care, it's interesting to consider the difference between what we would term market value versus market control. In terms of market value, primary care today, consistent with historic trends, is one of the smaller components to the healthcare industry. It constitutes roughly 6% of U.S. healthcare spend, which is considerably lower than comparable averages in other developing countries. Having said that, when you look at primary care through the lens of market control, that's where things change. And I think that's really part of the reason we're seeing convergence in the marketplace. When I say market control, what we mean by that is primary care physicians' ability to influence healthcare spend outside of their own individual silo. In an insight that we're currently developing here at Dynamic, we estimate primary care physicians' market control to be $3.6 trillion. So essentially what that means is this specialty of doctor, they sit at the confluence of 75% of the industry's revenue streams. And while they only constitute personally a small number of that, they have the ability to influence much more of that. And that's really how we're seeing them play into the convergence movement. From an overall perspective, primary care has always been a central part of providing care to communities. For generations, it's been mainly about referring patients that are unwell 
into the hospital system. And it has evolved in a very productive way to be more at the core of the health and wellness of the industry of the US healthcare system. And because of that, we're seeing incredible investment, we're seeing incredible focus, and we're seeing a real opportunity for change in the healthcare landscape of the United States. So well said, Ryan. Mindy, Jed, Ryan, I just want to thank you all for coming on today's episode. It's great to see the recentering of primary care in the health space in terms of that central cog making it all work. And I'm really excited to see how the industry moves forward with this renewed focus on primary care. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.